0: This is Jackie Livingston here with Kendra Halpern. Hi, guys. We are the Family Matters podcast, and we are so excited to be with you today. We bring you tips from current family research on how to strengthen your family relationships. We're currently focusing on marital relationships, and this episode will be the third in a series on improving our marriages. But before we get into that... I want to give a quick plug to our friend and graphic designer, Rachel Talbot. She did our logo for us. She's a great graphic designer, and if you need any work in that area, please give her a call or an email. We'll give you her contact information in the show notes. So, today we're going to talk about how to build friendship in our marriages. I'm gonna go ahead and give a little background and then I'll turn the mic over to Kendra. But as I was doing research for this podcast, I found an article that was directed specifically towards doctoral students on how they can make sure their marriages stay strong throughout their studies. Because I think we can all agree that getting your PhD is a very stressful time. Mm -hmm. It requires a lot of work and (laughs) and it's easy to see how that can be straining on a marriage. And so this article uh, pulled from lots of different family researchers and and studied what are the factors of strong marriages. And then it gave those factors to the doctoral students who could then apply that to their own life so that their marriages could be a source of strength to their life and not an added stressor. So the first factor that was explained was friendship and marriage. And I think it goes without saying that if you have a strong friendship as the base of your marriage you can find a lot of stress relief a lot of comfort especially amidst crisis periods and really life is just easier (laughs) and better and I think that applies not only to doctoral students but to anybody going through stressful periods and even if you're not going through a stressful period it's just great to be married to your best friend and have that have that fun together So, what we want to do today is teach you how to have friendship within your marriage. And I'm going to turn the time over to Kendra, who will run with that.
1: Okay. Yeah, we'll do this together. So, we started out this podcast by doing an episode on John Gottman's Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And he has found in his years of research that there are four things that tend to predict the end of a marriage. And those are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And we spent an episode talking about that. But later on, Gottman discovered that, you know what? even though he can look at and predict what's going to cause a divorce, that doesn't necessarily indicate how to make a strong marriage doing the opposite. So he, in looking for what are the things that strong marriages have, what do strong couples have in common, he outlined these seven principles for making marriage work. And as he teaches therapists, the two keys to having a strong marriage are to increase the positive feelings and to learn how to manage the negative feelings. And so today we're going to talk about those positive feelings and how to build friendship. And he talks about doing that in three steps. The first one is called building your love maps. The second one is nurturing your fondness and admiration. And principle three is turn toward each other instead of away. So we're going to go through all three of these in one podcast. So we're going to see if we can get it done in 45 minutes or less. But uh, like Jackie said, friendship is wonderful, not just because it makes life better and it helps us get through hard times. But I think it's powerful because a lot of people look at marriage and think, oh man, that's just so complicated. It's so big. I'm scared to get into that because so many people get divorced and so many marriages turn out terribly. But when you realize that the foundation of a good, strong marriage is friendship, it seems a lot more doable. Don't you think? Like, it's like, well, I don't know if I can handle like the big kahuna of marriage but I can be somebody's friend like I can do that and you can do that right I mean that that doesn't absolutely too daunting yeah
0: yeah I just want to say something about that real quick so before i got married i got married pretty young and it was the right thing for me but i was really scared i had a lot of anxiety because even though i felt so strongly that it was right it was kind of socially abnormal and i just worried a lot about what people may be thinking and i remember i was talking to somebody about that once actually (laughs) he was a therapist so that's cool and i just was explaining to him how scared i was of this concept of marriage And he said, okay, well, what is it specifically that scares you? And I said, I don't know. Marriage is just, I mean, it's marriage. It's like, it's like (laughs) big world. It's like adult stuff, like the real world stuff. stuff. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And he's like, okay, but what specifically? Like, what do you think marriage is? And I couldn't define what it was that was scaring me except for this concept of marriage. And really, the advice he gave me that really helped me was, you know, it's just being able to live with your best friend and be committed to them forever. And that helped me a lot because it's true. And, and especially when we can maintain these friendships, that's really what it is. It's, you know, my husband is my absolute best friend and, and I get to live with him and we get to do life together and it's really not complicated. (laughs) So anyways, mm-hmm. go ahead. Kendra. Yeah.
1: So if you can be a good friend, you can be a good spouse. And But being a good friend is sometimes difficult when you live with them and you have to go through hard things together and, it, and it's over a long period of time. But I think the take-home message for today, and I'll spoil it, the take-home message is consistency. So are you being somebody's friend every day? Are you being their friend every week? Are you being their friend in good times and in bad times? And if you can do that on a consistent basis and do very little things that we'll talk about today studies have shown that not only is your marriage going to last, but you're going to be wildly in love with each other decades after your marriage. So that's exciting. Okay. So our first principle is called building your love maps. There's a wonderful book that captures all these principles and we're going to be referring to it throughout this podcast. It's called the seven principles for making marriage work by John Gottman. It's kind of his seminal work and it was on the New York times bestseller list for a really long time. And I highly recommend it. In the first chapter, he talks about this doctor. He was very popular, but he spent his whole life working. And he spent, it's said 20, 20 days a month, sleeping at the hospital where he worked. And his family hardly ever saw him. And when he and his wife came in for counseling, he didn't know the name of the family dog. He didn't know where the back door was in their house. He didn't know any of the names of, of his kids' friends. It was clear that that was affecting their marriage. Gottman talks about the importance of building a love map or what he calls the part of the brain where we store relevant information about our spouse's life. Now, why is this important? Well, you can't be friends with someone if you don't know anything about them, and it certainly helps make their life a part of your life when you have you leave cognitive room for the, the details of your spouse's life. So what kinds of things are we talking about? There's physical things like where's the back door, Where does my spouse work? Things like that. And then there's social things. Who are my spouse's friends? Enemies? Acquaintances? Who does she like and dislike? What are their personal preferences? What kinds of activities do they engage in? Things that people don't necessarily talk about, like their worries, their ambitions, their goals. Do you know your spouse's dreams, the kinds of things that they would do with a million dollars? Do you know the kinds of things that that have impacted your spouse in ways that maybe they haven't even thought about, like the scars from their childhood? Uh, We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but another great book that's also been on the bestseller list forever is The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And that talks about the ways in which we like to receive showings of love and the ways that we tend to express love and that sometimes those are different from each other. You picture a classic scene with a wife complaining because her husband never brings her flowers and how do I know you love me? You never bring me anything sweet anymore and he says well of course I love you. I mean I, I, I do the dishes. I mow the lawn and Chapman's point is that they're both expressing love. They just do it in different ways. He's speaking the language of acts of service where she wants the language of gifts. And so those five languages that he discusses are acts of service, gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, and touch. And so do you know that about your spouse? Do you know the ways in which they want to be shown love?
0: So I love this. And I think that if I'm hearing you right, you're saying we basically just need to know all about our spouse, kind of like you would know about your best friend from school. Yeah, exactly. Because if we imagine, you know, when we're in elementary school or high school, like you just kind of know everything about them. and, And that is such a huge part of your friendship but maybe you were just about to say, but I guess the question that comes to my mind is, so how do we do this amidst life? Because I'm thinking about that super busy doctor who didn't even know where his back door was or the name of his dog. And I think, you know, he was really busy and not that that's an excuse, but like, how do we go about making that happen? What do you think, Kendra? Yeah. Well, I think,
1: I think the key to all of this is that it has to be done intentionally. And if we don't take the time and dedicate that towards our marriages, then other things will. And I will say that that includes children. Yeah. I, I've actually seen a, a lot of couples that get torn apart by really important other priorities. And sometimes that includes kids. Sometimes kids with disabilities, um, for example, take a lot of time and emotional energy and can really soak up the effort and attention of, of parents.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially I think it's important to note that intentionality in deliberately choosing to work on that friendship and get to know your your spouse's love map, it's not inauthentic, if that's a word, it's not inauthentic. If it doesn't feel like you really want to do it. Yeah, I no, think, exactly. You know, it's easy f- for your best girlfriend to like want to catch up and and you just want to know. But, you know, at the end of a long day, it's hard sometimes to want to sit down and really get to know each other better or even take that time or, you know, commit finances towards going on dates together. You know, that can be hard, but as you were saying, you have to be deliberate and intentional about it because just like if you want to keep a plant alive, you have to feed it. If you want to keep a marriage alive, you have to make it a priority. And at the point of this is that this love map, this knowing about your spouse has to be a priority because we all want to be really known by somebody. I think that's a basic human need. Like I love the fact that my husband knows exactly how I like my in and out cheeseburger, and he can order it for me. And, and it's just like a small thing, but he just knows that about me. And it's just, you know, he knows me better than anybody else. And that is such a source of comfort, because not only does he know me, but he accepts me. And that gives me strength in every area of my life. You know, we have two little kids and a third one on the way, and we'll have three kids under three come July, and... And so that's something that we have to be very deliberate about every single day is, you know, we call it (laughs) couch time. We just sit and we talk or we go lay out under the stars and just get to know each other a little bit better. Find out about each other's day. What are we worried about? What are we thinking about? It's just those little things that really add up. And it can be done as quickly as five minutes or, you know, we actually lots of times we end up talking for a lot longer than we thought we would.
1: No, I agree. I think um, getting to know your spouse and getting to know the aspects of your life in one way is actually a really good start if you're feeling like your marriage is struggling because it's a very cerebral activity. You don't even have to like force yourself to care about anything. Just getting to know somebody. Obviously, this just takes time talking to them usually and sometimes just good observation. So do you have a richly detailed love map? For your spouse. So that's, um, principle one. Do you have any other, any other thoughts about that, Jackie?
0: Nope. Go ahead.
1: So principle number two is nurturing your fondness and admiration for each other. So step one, love maps say you need to know a person and their past and current experiences in order to really love them fully. And you need to keep updating that because people change. And in fact, they talk about things like life changes, such as having a new child, Um, is a time of a lot of change. And so being together and having a strong love map for the other person and updating that frequently helps you and allows you to make that life change together. Step two, this one, is you need to like them enough that your admiration for each other gets you through the hard times. Nurturing your fondness and admiration means that even if you sometimes get really distracted by your partner's personality flaws, you still feel that that person you married is intrinsically worthy of your honor and respect any any thoughts about that jack no
0: i'm just sitting here nodding yeah it's all good
1: <laughs> okay. cool yeah fondness is I the agree. glue that holds relationships together he says fondness and admiration keeps the crises and stress from eating away at the foundation of the marriage so a clue as to whether this glue still exists Gottman has found is how the partners view their past experiences together In other words, if a couple is struggling, but you ask them about what was the first thing you noticed about him or her, or what was the thing that that really drew you to them, or tell us about your first date, or tell us about your wedding day, do they still talk about the person with glowing admiration and warm, fuzzy feelings? If that's the case, Gottman says, then the embers of that fire are still there, and they can be stoked up. But he said, if people can't even remember ever liking their partner, it's pretty much unsalvageable he says it's very difficult in other words to recreate a friendship once it is lost i think that's really important oh that's sad it's sad no it is sad it's really sad so take time to nurture your fondness and admiration and just like with the first one this happens by spending time together and Gottman talks specifically about the magic five hours a week he actually breaks down a couple critical conversations that happen with successful couples that stay married. And it's, again, it's a very simple, like Jackie said, it's like watering a plant. If it happens every day, just a little bit every day, it's easy to do. It's fun to do and it really strengthens your relationship. So here are the five hours a week to strengthen your marriage. The first one happens for two minutes a day. And that is, Partings it says don't part in the morning without knowing one interesting thing that's going to happen in your partner's day and you can ask them about it next time you see them. So you six second kiss and I love you and tell me about your day. Two minutes a day for five days a week. So that's 10 minutes a week. The next conversation is reunions. So next time you see each other at the end of the work day, you reunite with a quick kiss followed by a stress reducing conversation in which you each talk about your frustrations, your anxieties, not about your relationship with each other, but about other things. In other words, this is a time to use your marriage as a coping tool to help you deal with the stresses in other areas of your life and learn how to lean on each other. This is a, a good time to engage in active listening and provide emotional support. So this is that's 20 minutes a day, five days a week. The third conversation is admiration and appreciation. He says, find some way every day to genuinely communicate affection and appreciation toward your partner. So five minutes a day, do something to show appreciation. That can be a text message. That can be a a quick back rub. That can be doing something, you know, taking their car to the car wash. The fourth one is affection. Kissing, holding, touching, playing together is a really good thing. If you do any kind of physical affection for five minutes a day, it has a really strong impact on and strengthening your marriage. And the fifth one is dates. Make sure to update your love maps and use those to create opportunities to turn toward each other. If you set aside time for a date with your partner once a week, you're able to catch up on life and resolve issues and just enjoy each other's company. And that way you're updating your love maps and you're increasing your fondness for one another without it being this weird contrived thing. You're just going out and doing something fun together. And if you add up all that time, this is five hours a week. Again, it's like watering a plant. When you nurture the fondness and admiration you have for your spouse, you're looking for their strengths and not for their weaknesses. Jackie talked about in a previous episode, I don't actually know if this ever made it past the cutting room floor, but <laughs> she talked about how originally, didn't you, tell him about how you were trying to, you wanted to keep track of the things that irked you about each other.
0: Oh, yeah. So that? that was like the first couple months of our marriage and I, I asked my husband, OK, so why don't we every single week have a little companionship inventory where we let each other know what like what we've been bugged about so that we can know what needs fixing. And, you know, he was just like, I, I just really don't want to focus on what I don't like about you So, I think in the end, that would be not good for me. And he was sweet. He was like, but if you need to tell me something, like, I'll listen. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) oh, no, there's no way I'm going to say anything (laughs) now. (laughs) But um, one thing I wanted to say about these five hours are, first of all, yes, 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 totally. This is super important. But it also, if your life maybe doesn't follow this exact formula that Gottman is giving, like, that's okay. It's it's the principle of the thing. So, for example... My husband usually, this is embarrassing, but my husband usually leaves for work before I'm awake. (laughs) Like he leaves for work really early in the morning, especially lately because we've been doing a lot of landscaping and he comes home kind of early. So he has enough time to do that anyways. So I'm usually asleep. So I'm not really awake to ask him like, what's going to happen in your day? But you know, he always gives me a kiss before he goes to sleep. Or no, before he goes to work, and I always feel guilty about that because I'm like still in bed, and I don't know. I just feel bad for him, but and and like that's just something that's really tender. And like even though I'm totally asleep, I notice it still. And if in the couple times in our marriage that he's like forgotten that, I like ask him about it later in the day. I'm like, why didn't you kiss me this morning? <laughs> and so. You know, it can be something as simple as that. And I do make sure to know about what's going on in his days. I just, We just talk about it later on at a different time. So again, apply these principles to you. Another thing I wanted to say was sometimes it seems like you may, you know, have a date night. Sometimes you get into a rut and kind of get into a routine and you're kind of like, man, we do the same old date night every single week and... We ask the same questions and I already know everything about him and la la la. And if you're feeling like that, it's time to switch things up. Like when my husband and I start getting into a rut, we know that it's time to pick up on a new hobby. Like sometimes, usually for us, it means we start a new like weird sci-fi series because we're total geeks, guys. We're like obsessed with Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and all that stuff. So we usually just know like, okay, it's time to get interested in something else and like kind of have a mutual hobby. So I think that if you're feeling like you're in a rut, introduce something new and exciting into your date nights or just somehow switch things up a little bit so that you have something shared that you can continue to enjoy together. And I think that really helps nurture our fondness. Like I know when my husband and I, whatever phase we're going in, right now we've been learning about some of the builders of America. (laughs) We've been watching these silly documentaries (laughs) (laughs) and It's like not something I would necessarily be interested on my own, but it's something we're doing together and it's just kind of interesting and we just like to talk about it. So, you know, it's like if you feel like you don't have anything to say, then find something to do together. So that's all I have to say about that.
1: Yeah. No, agreed. I totally agreed. It's important to find ways to spice up your relationship on an ongoing basis. And for the purpose of this podcast especially, we want to emphasize that that can happen in really small, simple ways. One of the interesting things that Gottman has found is that real romance, and I'm not talking about like, oh, I just love this person. I like holding his hand, but like passionate, fabulous sex lives from an accumulation of these little individual moments of, of expressing appreciation for each other. So like Jackie said, show each other appreciation and just think like, when was the last time I told my spouse something that I love about them? And if you haven't, do it today. Be like, hey, by the way, I just think you are an incredibly cheerful person or I think you're really classy. I think you're a really classy lady. I'm just really glad that you're mine. Um, I really appreciate how committed you are, how expressive or how adventurous or
0: whatever. Yeah, And I think it goes without saying that if it doesn't necessarily feel, if you feel like you have to be very deliberate about doing that. That's not a sign that your romance has fizzled or that your relationship is in a ton of trouble. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Because I think sometimes we wait for the urge to naturally come upon us before we do something to show love for our spouse. And I think that that is not a good thing. I think that you need to, even if you're not feeling it, you know, it's like fake it till you make it. and, And then you'll be especially women, this is well, I think this is true for men too, but especially women, it's like if you will jump in and show love, you'll realize that you really do feel that love. And it's true. and it just it blesses you. And whether that's saying something nice, giving your spouse a kiss, giving them a hug, giving them a pat on the butt, whatever. It's like all of those things, just do it and you'll be like, Oh yeah, I really I really mean that. Mm -hmm. So
1: yeah, there's a there's a BuzzFeed video. I'll probably we'll put a link in the show notes called Weird Ways Couples Say I Love You. Have you seen that, Jackie? Mm -mm, But that sounds hilarious. It's it's really it's very funny. And it's things like waiting until the shower is done to flush the toilet (laughs) or, you know, smothering them with a pillow when they lay on the bed, little funny things. And again, that is classic romance. You know, real drama doesn't come from the Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, crazy Mm -hmm. romantic Hollywood dramas. It comes from these little moments together, Mm -hmm. which brings us to principle three, which is turn toward each other instead of away. This concept is just a little bit more abstract, so I want to use more of Gottman's words. He says, none of the footage that we tape of our couples would win an Oscar. Our archives are filled with scenes in which the husband looks out the window and says, wow, look at that boat. And the wife looks over her magazine and says, yeah, it looks like that big schooner we saw last summer, remember? And the husband grunts. You might think that this kind of scene for hours and hours would be really boring, but on the contrary, they know that when couples engage in lots of chit-chat like this, you can be sure that they're going to stay happily married because it means they're turning toward each other. So what does it mean to turn toward each other? periodically we make bids, he calls bids for our spouses, time, attention, affection, humor, or support. And we do that by saying, Hey, fill in the blank. Hey, I've got this great joke. Or, Hey, you want to go on in the room and play around? Or, Hey, did you hear this crazy story? Or, Hey, did you see that the neighbors got a new car or whatever? We do that physically. We do that vocally. We do things in order to get their attention and get their support. And when our spouse accepts our bid by saying, oh yeah, I'll chuckle at your joke, or sure, I'll have a conversation with you, or yeah, we'll go in the room and play, that is the basis of a strong emotional connection, passion, and a great sex life. And this is a quote from the book, comical as it may sound, romance actually grows when a couple are in the supermarket and the wife says, are we out of bleach? And the husband says, I don't know, let's get some just in case, instead of shrugging apathetically. Gottman discusses the emotional bank account. Your emotional bank account is a way of expressing how the two of you are doing on positive interactions. When you have lots of positive interactions with each other, that kind of builds up a strong, positive emotional bank account. Mm -hmm. So that when you need to take something out, in other words, when you need to ask for a favor, or when you fall through on a commitment, or you forget about stuff, or you, you have to correct something, or you put them in an awkward situation, you still have a whole lot of positive experiences that are still there you can draw from. In general, happily married couples have about five positive interactions for every one negative interaction. Even really major things in a marriage don't necessarily mean it's the end of the marriage if there is a really high positive emotional bank account. The problem is, most of the time when there's something really serious like infidelity, it occurs after there's already been a major drain on that account. And so again, trying to whip up positive feelings or whip up a friendship feels contrived and it just generally doesn't work. A lot of people will try and solve relationship problems by, you know, a week at the Bahamas or trying to do something really romantic but again researchers have found that this isn't where romance comes from it doesn't come from a week in the bahamas it comes from these individual daily interactions
0: Go and ahead. i love that yeah so i watched this movie it was with steve carell and tina fey the date night movie uh-huh so there's a there's parts of that movie that really really bother me and but anyways it's interesting to think about from like a marriage therapist perspective But one thing that I noticed was the night that they wanted to make different, which I think is cool. Sometimes we all need that. But they thought they needed to go spend a ton of money on this fancy restaurant. Which if that's what you love to do, that's great. But I guess what I'm saying is to nod to Kendra's point, sometimes we think that in order to fix our marriages we've gotta do something huge. And that's not true. It's just doing a bunch of these little things. It's turning towards each other. It's talking it's listening it's you know as Kendra was saying it's saying yes to the bids for your attention and I think that's really comforting because sometimes you can't do something big sometimes you've got a lot of things going on in your life like a, a huge stressor or I don't know financial issues yeah, or whatever yeah. and you can't go to the Bahamas but that doesn't mean your marriage is in jeopardy at all not at because all. it is the little things that fix marriages not necessarily these gigantic you know and, and not that a trip to the Bahamas isn't a good thing for a marriage. I think I think couples need to take a honeymoon every year personally, but it doesn't have to be to the Bahamas. It can just be to the town next door, you know. Well, so and
1: certainly your marriage is not going to be saved by doing nothing on a day to day basis and just taking a trip once a year. Right. Exactly. Like the the mm-hmm. key is that it that enhances a relationship, but it can't replace it. It's kind of like putting fertilizer on a plant isn't going to substitute for never watering it. Right.
0: Exactly.
1: It, it enhances the sunlight and the water that your plant is already getting.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, if you want to have fun on a trip to the Bahamas, you need to have been doing all this stuff. Bingo. Exactly. You know, because otherwise you're going to spend a bunch of money and you're going to get there and be like, OK, who is this person? You know, so that stuff is only really yeah, fun. Or
1: it's going <laughs> to be awkward silences and, you you know, you'll find things to get annoyed about anyway and it won't be any fun. Right. Exactly. So, again. Little things and keys to romance are things like ordering Chinese food together, taking turns, driving the kids to appointments, sharing a favorite TV show, going for walks, shopping together, um, calling each other during the workday, finding ways to turn toward each other instead of away. That means acknowledging each other instead of ignoring each other or going along with their ideas, trying to enjoy (laughs) things that they enjoy. I knew a couple that ended up divorcing and they had completely separate movie collections. Like literally, they were like in separate places in the house. Like this is her movies and these are his movies. And granted, it was kind of funny because, you know, hers are all chick flicks Mm -hmm. and his are all action flicks. Like there was no overlap. But at the same time, I think that's indicative of the fact that they had very different lives and they didn't tend to enjoy the same things together. And that made it hard for them to turn toward Mm -hmm. each other as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, and you'll be surprised at how much more fun something that you didn't think you really would enjoy can be when you're doing it with someone you love. For example, my dad loves football, as do a lot of men. But he loves, loves, loves football. My mom, I think she could go her whole life. her whole rest of life without watching a football game and she'd probably be okay she'd probably be happy but my dad loves to go to football games and you know what he goes with my mom and they like the San Francisco 49ers and they'll go to a game every now and then and they get their bowls of clam chowder and they sit there and it's just like this fun date night and it's something that they enjoy together and my mom gets into the game and you know sometimes she probably brings a book to read (laughs) Mm -hmm. but you know but she's there with my dad and I think that that's just a good example of Sometimes you just join in with what your spouse really loves and you kind of enjoy it together and it becomes part of your friendship. And, you know, and my dad will sometimes go with my mom to art museums because that's more of what she likes anyways. But that's that's the point. No, agree. no, no, <laughs> I totally
1: agree. The same we found the same thing. So I really like to paint. I, I do acrylic painting. And my husband doesn't, I mean, he he likes the stuff I paint and he compliments it, but I really wanted to paint with him. And finally he did. I actually got him a canvas and he sat down and he painted a picture next to me and it's hanging up on the wall next to my paintings. And I love it because to me, it's not just a symbol of, you know, my husband's positive efforts and the fact that he loves me, but the fact that he's willing to go along with me. The fact that I became a Cubs fan when we got married because he's a Cubs fan, and so we are Cubs fans. <laughs> and again, that puts a, that's a lot of strength. The other component of this is not just taking up each other's interests, but making sure to turn toward each other when you're having conversations. And here are some examples. He says, take your spouse's side when you're discussing things. If your spouse is feeling like there's this person at work that's just out to get them, it is so much better for your relationship to say, Man, that jerk! I can't believe he's doing that to you. As opposed to, well, I'm sure that he has good reasons for doing. I mean, even though that sounds like the nicer thing to say, Mm-mm. that's not what your spouse wants you to say. Don't do that. And I'm a wife. That's not what I want my husband to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, sometimes I have to like calm him down. I'm like, man, this person. He's like, oh, he's such a horrible person. He should die. I'm like, no, no he's not that bad. <laughs> like, anyway, so he gives an example. He gives a, an example conversation. I'm just going to read this. So Hank says, I had another terrible meeting with Ethel today. She keeps challenging me. She's been going to the boss and telling him that she doubts my competence. I just hate her. And Wanda says, well, I think this is just another example of you flying off the handle and overreacting, which, by the way, is criticism. I've seen her be very constructive and reasonable. Maybe you're just not being sensitive. So again, she's not on his side. Mm -hmm. She's on the side of the enemy. Mm -hmm. He says, that woman is out to get me. You're just being paranoid. Just try and calm down. Oh, forget it. Mm -hmm. okay so you can see it that's that she's not turning toward him she's not even on the same page Mm -hmm. with him she decides that there needs to be an advocate for the defense and in your marriage there does not need to be yep okay you are both on the same team whether we're using courtroom analogies or not yeah
0: well and especially since a lot of times really what your spouse is just looking for is sympathy absolutely i think of that classic video of the wife who has a nail in her head (laughs) and the husband is like There's a nail in your head. And she's like, it's not about the nail. And (laughs) and I totally get that. Like it was, but you know, but that's a classic example of what that wife was looking for was someone to say, I'm so sorry that that's hard. That must really hurt. Because the honest truth is that most of the time we know what we need to do to fix things we just are looking for someone to be sympathetic to the pain we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say we shouldn't ever give our spouse advice, but I think it's wise to wait for them to ask for it. Like there are sometimes my husband has just kind of learned that unless I specifically say, what do you think I should do? He needs to just be sympathetic and he's really good at that. And I feel heard and validated. And then I can go about figuring out the solution. Exactly.
1: And I think the key is, we talk about how your spouse and you make periodic bids for attention affection humor etc a good thing to say is when your spouse is doing something or saying something to say in your head what is my spouse asking for like what is the bid that they're placing towards me what do they want from me do they want advice do they want sympathy do they want just me to just listen and make eye contact do they want me to express affection. Like, what is it that they want? And then, give it to them. <laughs> because that's that's the foundations of, of a good friendship and a good marriage. So this is the positive version of that conversation. Hank says, I had another terrible meeting with Ethel today. She keeps challenging me and going to the boss and telling him that she doubts my competence. I hate her. Wanda. I can't believe that woman. She's so mean. What a gossip. So what did you say? She's showing interest. Hank. I told her she's out to get me and she's not going to succeed. Wanda. She could make anybody paranoid. I'm sorry she's putting you through this. Man, I'd love to get even with her. He says, so would I, but I think we better just forget it. We'll just ignore her. Anyway, the idea is that in this situation, she is not giving advice. She's expressing a we versus them mentality. She's validating his concerns. And all of those things, even though it sounds like they're talking about negative things, is fabulous because they're on the same team. Mm -hmm. So. Turning towards your spouse means emphasizing your togetherness, your we-ness, and allowing your marriage to be the coping mechanism that allows you to deal with the stresses in the rest of life.
0: Exactly. I love that. You know, I just want to make one more point about that because this might be more appropriate for a parenting podcast, but that includes with your kids. Yeah. I was just thinking about today my little Jaden came running to me crying because he got in trouble from his daddy. Ooh, and, I mean, yeah. when Carter gets uh-huh. mad, it's not Fever. really mad. So he was... Your kids yeah, will pitch I mean, you against each other. <laughs> I know. I'm like, anyways, Jaden came up and he's like, I got in trouble because I did not obey. And I said, <laughs> well, what did daddy ask you to do? And, and, you know, and he just got a logical consequence for something that he had done wrong. And he was really upset. And he was wanting me to say, oh, that was so mean of daddy. But I said, no, whatever daddy says goes. Mommy and daddy are on the same team. And I think that that is really important as we start having kids. And also to, you know, our spouse, they need to know we are on the same team. We are partners in this. And then if you really do have differences of opinions, there are more appropriate times to talk about it. Like if I had really had a problem with how Carter handled that situation, which by the way, I didn't because he handled it perfectly. But if I had, we would have talked about it at a different time. Mm -hmm. But as far as the world is concerned, we are on the same page. And if I ever seem like we're not, to anybody, then I just feel like that's not great for us.
1: I totally agree. I had a student who was in a second marriage, and her husband had come into her home with her and her three children. It was a challenge for them to bring this new person into their lives, and it was a big challenge for her to show unity with her husband. When for such a long time, it had been her and her kids. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, you know, I know daddy didn't do it super well. You know, he's just learning how to be a dad. Let's Mm -hmm. give him a break. He'll get better at this. She said, Mm -hmm. no, what daddy says goes. And I'm on his team. Mm -hmm. And wow, that sounded so hard to her kids. And they're like, you're betraying us. But that's what kept their marriage strong and helped her children Mm -hmm. to see her husband as, their, as a father figure, which was important in their family. So I totally agree. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. So open mm-hmm. open the
1: door for them. Tell them that you believe in them. Laugh with your spouse, not at them. Um, smile yeah. when you see them. Hold their yeah. hand while you talk. Point out the things that they do well. Another one, treat their secrets with care. Know what kinds of things they're sensitive about, and don't make fun of those things, either in public or in private. And that's a way that you, you turn toward your spouse is to not point out their flaws, but to look for their positive and their strengths. And not only have we found, but research has found that when you look for strengths, you find them. Mm-hmm. And when you look for strengths in your spouse and you find those strengths, you also enhance them.
0: Yes. Perfect.
1: So anyway, the last thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up is some of you may be listening to this and saying, well, I am doing all of these things. I understand my spouse. You know, I admire them. I feel like I'm turning toward them and agreeing with them and going along with them, but they're not doing it for me. What do I do then? There are some specific exercises that Gottman explains in his book that can help you to know how to do that. And the big one is just knowing what your feelings are and expressing them. And if you are spending time together and you're sharing your feelings with them, you can make changes happen in your marriage, especially if you if you have a strong friendship and you're you're making those efforts. When your spouse sees that you're trying to change and that you're trying to make things better, it when encourages them to also change and do things better.
0: I just want to say especially if you're not withholding your love until they share their love, because i think if you're just if you've decided well i was super nice but then he was never nice back so i'm just going to be you know i'm just going to be a jerk then that's not going to fix it but if you continue to do these things and show your love and make bids and i know that that can make you feel vulnerable yeah. like that that can be hard but if you continue to do that then i think you're able to have those conversations where you can be really honest And your spouse doesn't necessarily feel attacked, like maybe they will in the moment, but they can look back over how you've been treating them and know that this is coming from a place of genuine love. Absolutely. Whereas if you've been a jerk, then, and then if you say, you never do anything for me, they're going to be like, well, you've been a jerk to me, why would I want to? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So.
1: Yeah. Agreed. And a marriage is always a two-way street. I think that's the most obvious thing that's ever been said, but it's always a two-part thing. And you can encourage your spouse to show love and affection by showing love and affection to them. You know, you attract flies with honey, not vinegar. (laughs) That's true in every kind of relationship. Exactly. Um, So I just want to close with this. This is a quote from another blog, The Simply Luxurious Life. It says, each and every one of us wants to feel special. Not necessarily special to everyone or a grand group. But to at least a handful of people who truly care as to how we're doing and would miss us terribly if we weren't in their lives, I think how we treat those, those people who are special to us, is a learned behavior. And we can always change and improve how we go about showing those we care how important they are to us. So go out there and, again, get to know your spouse. Take the time. That's, I think, a key is take the time and take that time consistently, even if it's just a little bit of time every day, to show your spouse that you care, to get to know them better, and to turn toward them and, and take their side in those little everyday ways.
0: Perfect. Uh, I just want to be a testimonial to that. You know, there's something very empowering about having a deep friendship with your spouse, It's amazing to know for me personally that I have someone who knows me completely through and through and is continually interested in me and my life and my thoughts and knows all my weaknesses but still loves me anyways and still wants to turn towards me and that helps me be my best self and I feel like my husband can say the same thing and we're not special people by any means. We're no better, you know, than anybody else but it's just something we've been intentional about and it's been a huge blessing. And that's what we hope for you guys. We want all of you to take these tips and then bless your lives so that you can have that strong marriage that will help you get through not only the really hard times, but also just, you know, your everyday life. Life is easier when you have a spouse who's your best friend and who's got your back.
1: Yeah, it's worth it. Whatever you have to do, it's worth it. It's going to be awesome if you're not already there. You've had it before. You can bring it back. So good luck, guys.
0: Well, thank you, Kendra, for leading us in this discussion. I feel like I didn't say very much, but that's because I just, everything you were saying, I was nodding my head and loving it. I didn't want to interrupt the magic. (laughs) Thanks, listener, for being here with us. We really appreciate your download. We hope that you can join us again next week on the Family Matters podcast. See ya. Thanks. Thanks, guys.